Welcome to the Women's Health Wisdom and Wine podcast, a bi-weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many of the women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comment section or send us an email. To learn more, visit the website at www. LorenaWhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, please remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute for a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. In today's episode, I get the opportunity to talk with Rebecca Gitana Torres about her life as Gaia, the transformational guide, self-taught TV producer and host, and my personal favorite, Healing Through the Home. She's a powerhouse, y'all. Let's listen. are with Rebecca Hitana Torres today and let me just say she is a powerhouse. We are talking media personality, content creator, transformational guide and just an amazing being all over. So Rebecca, let's get started. You are truly a renaissance woman. You have so many talents and so much knowledge to share. Talk with us about your magic. My magic, Mm. (laughs) as the winds are blowing outside, we have like a storm happening, like a windstorm. What is Mm -hmm. it? I don't even know. Yeah. Happening. The winds of change are here. My magic is, hmm, I don't know how one defines their magic. I think my magic is deeply rooted in my cells. I think Mm -hmm. my magic is far bigger than me and even this lifetime. And my magic is really here to help people grow and help people remember who they are and be activated in their magic. And yeah, yeah, I guess my magic is like the power of activating others within their magic. Mm, There it is. That was it right there. The power in activating others. I like that because that's, that, that's powerful in and of itself. So you're also a PK. So let's start from the beginning. Oh and yeah, exactly. We're going to start from the beginning. Talk to us about life as a PK how, and how you, this kind of framed like where you are and how you got to, to where you are right now. Yes. Oh, my God. So this is the first time that I ever talk about this. Really, mm, okay. In an interview, <laughs> I may have mentioned it once, yeah. like an Instagram live or something, but uh-huh. 
I've never really talked about it. Um, when I was um, born, my parents uh -huh. were in Bible college. My father was preparing to become a minister, a non-denominational Christian pastor. Yes. As the songs of New York are playing in the background. I love it because, again, that is, again, part of the vibe. It is. You, part I'm of the watching vibe. the visual of your sage, and I love yes. just, I was like, you know what? It's making me want to light my sage. Right. And I have it right here. So my thing is, ceremonially, yes. I'm going to add mine to this Burn mix. I'm going to do it. As we open up this space, because so much is going to be shared today. And really, my intention is as I share my story, that perhaps it validates something in someone else's heart. Um, yeah, part of their story or helps them to understand that their unique story is powerful and valid within itself, even if absolutely. it's not echoed here. Yes, so, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, so being born to parents who are just entering the ministry and mm -hmm. um, kind of being aware right away that there was a level of responsibility in yep. who I was, who my parents uh, were at that time, and understanding that there is a greater spirit, a greater energy mm -hmm. that exists. And as a pastor's child and as a very young uh, baby girl, feeling mm -hmm. the spirit of God inside of yeah. me. And knowing mm -hmm. that feeling is so real and yeah. It's not connected to Jesus or Buddha or any of these figures. It's mm -hmm. connected to this thing that, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's like a universal truth, yeah. a universal vibration of life. And, mm -hmm. um, and so that's why that for me was so formative and so impactful because even now when I, people say like, um, you know, what religion are you following or mm -hmm. whatever it is and it's that feeling, it's that yeah. um, that higher vibration, that connected energy to source. It is um, about honoring nature and honoring one another and like the very simple fundamentals of um, being in harmony. Yeah. So, yeah, um, at a very early- And I find that place, even as we define religion and create boxes for whatever re religiosity, oftentimes takes the place of spirituality. And I think religiosity is more routine and we're doing it out of habit versus spirituality, which is connectedness. Yeah. And what you're connected to is more important than the rituals that you perform so that you can pertain to a certain religion or religious sect. And I think you oftentimes use religiosity and spirituality interchangeably but they're so very different yeah. and highlighting that point right there is it's very important and i think it's a great way to you know kickstart how how you how you got your start yeah and it's it's so true so i've learned that you know um and even in the bible they say right where two or three are gathered right there's mm -hmm. god and yeah. where your intentions are gathered where your focus is gathered um anything can be part of ceremony and giving right. thanks and connecting to source energy. So it's very unique. But at a very early age, I started teaching Sunday school. And mm -hmm. um, at the age of 11, actually, uh, with full lesson plans and everything, my parents um, have always been educators. My mom is still a teacher. My father is still teaching and has 
helped to start different Bible schools and things like that. Um, so I always grew up in a house full of books and studying and understanding how to share knowledge and information with others. Like that was kind of like a family yeah. trade, if mm -hmm. you will. Um, and so teaching very early on, um, my mom, she would tell me about, you know, how in Sunday school before I could talk that I'd be, you know, in the Sunday school with the kids and we would like a book and be jibber jabber sharing right. whatever message I guess I felt was appropriate for that time and space, mm -hmm. right? Um, and even as my parents would hold space for other people, other families that were going through particular things, um, receiving right. those kids in our home, being kind of privy to the fact that they're going through certain things and being able to like be sensitive to that and hold space for right. that, even if it was just like showing kindness you know, to mm -hmm. those children and um, letting them know that they were safe. I think that's where, right. like, those things in me, be my magic be definitely became activated. Um, and I felt mm -hmm. the calling, definitely felt yeah. always a calling to um, be of service. And um, mm -hmm. my favorite little song that I learned in some, like, children's church, something or other, the lyrics were, make me a servant. And even as I go into saying the words, I could cry. Make me a servant, <laughs> humble and meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak. And may the prayer of my heart always be, make me a servant today. Oh, I remember singing that in the church one time. And like, yeah, that little song right there is like probably one of my, my first anthems <laughs> mm, yeah mm -hmm. your theme song your yeah, your first theme song for your first album uh-huh <laughs> yeah and so as you have as the world has become your canvas in terms of model muse artist yes. how have you felt that or found that connection between the then and the now yeah. as the peak that's that pk in church yes. to embracing the world as your canvas to yeah. really embodying the fact that there isn't any place that's too big for you. Mm. Well, I think that first, you know, there was a lot that happened in my teenage years with my family and my father getting out of being a pastor. And that's like for a whole lifetime movie in itself. <laughs> <laughs> I always say, like, it could be a lifetime movie. I might have to write right. it one day. Um, we'll get back to that in terms yeah. of your producing credits. But yeah, yes, right. go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that as I started to grow into mm -hmm. myself and grow into my womanhood, I started to understand that there were many different facets of me. Mm -hmm. And that I didn't have to choose, like I was, a, I've always been a rebel, you know, I have okay. an ex that calls me rebel, like, cause my name is Rebecca. Mm -hmm. So he was short and it's a red right. and rebel. Mm -hmm. I, I really resonate with that. Um, I've always been a rebel. And so when the world kept telling me, you can only be like a woman of God, or you can only be a mother and like a mm -hmm. Santa a saint, or you can only yeah. be, you know, the the puta, the wild uh -huh. woman out there, or you can only be, you know, a superstar and you can't be. Right. And the rebel that I am was like, no, actually, I'm uh -uh. all of those things. I am 
I'm I'm not to be put into one category and right. no matter what like even as I was growing in my career and like the things that I'm doing now um, people would tell me like you're gonna you're gonna confuse people you know like they don't know what you do and it's like I'm not I'm not uh, a box of Cheerios where they need to know what's in the box because that's what they want to eat. It's like, no, this is, mm-hmm. this is a, um, a trail mix. <laughs> right. Yeah. There you go. I love it. I love it. And so you talked about, and I'm going to probably have to pop back and forth because yes. there's so many things and so many connections that are like so prevalent throughout your entire story. Yeah. But you talked about, you know, writing that Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. You're also a self-taught, award-nominated producer and host. Mm. And so I know you mentioned, you know, things are going on in the church and things that, you know, the children you would have and minister to in your home. Yes. And there was even a period where you were a school aide. Yes. And, you know, there was no way to contain that magic or your magic became too big for the building, yes. meaning the school building. So as again, as you talk about that lifetime movie that you, I have no doubt will eventually produce. <laughs> um, how did, how did it come to be? Like, when did you like, what was the moment that you said, yes, yeah. I'm owning this. And these are my gifts. When did that, when did that come yeah. to fruition for you? It's so funny because I got into a conversation with my brother and my mother in our, our chat because my mom had a position and she still works in the schools and she had a position, I guess, opening her school for a school aide and she sends it out like, come work with me or something like, I don't know. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Um, <laughs> and not because I didn't love what I did and I'll definitely want to talk about that. But it's like, right. I, I left my city job at, I was turning 26. Um, to pursue mm-hmm. all the things I'm doing now, um, right. because like you said, you know, I didn't want to contain my magic to one building. And at that age, I started to kind of come back around because when that Lifetime movie scandal whole thing happened with my family and the church and yeah. like all of these things, I really separated myself from the ministry, from God, from like all of these callings mm-hmm. because it was all too much and I had a lot of healing to do. Uh, from things yeah. that happened in my home and just so much. And so, but in that time, I started working for the Board of Education. And yeah, I was working as a school aide. And um, traditionally, school aides like work, um, some might work in the office, but many times they're working as a as support staff in various places in the school, right. whether it's like the cafeteria or, you know, the hallways. Um, I started out working with one of my teachers because I went to my... I worked at my alma mater in the South Bronx, South Bronx High School. Shout out. The school doesn't exist anymore. The building is still there. And um, the vibes a lifetime because that was a legendary space and place. Right. Um, (laughs) For real. Right. But, um, yeah, being in the school and developing myself there and taking that school-aid position. And this is why no matter what your position is in the world – Think of every position that you have as far greater than the title. Always. Mm, And every single time I've done that, I have gotten so much more out of the work that I've done. 
and um, so much more experience and I've actually been able to use my my actual gifts in a powerful way so whether you work at a, like, right. a quote-unquote regular office job like how are you gonna uh-huh. like, fill that space to a point where your gifts and magic embody your little cubicle or wherever it is that you are and that yeah. you are able to really make the most out of it and so while I was there as a school aide eventually I became like the assistant principal's assistant um, I was, mm-hmm. you know, working as the attendance coordinator, like figuring out the whole system of how we were going to keep track of kids and their attendance. And then that turned into crisis management, like finding out that right. like, kids are not eating or they're being going through abusive situations or they want to hurt themselves. And so eventually right. being like on speed dial with the principal and being like the first person he called before he called the guidance counselor, they would call me. And so here I am, Mm -hmm, little mm -hmm. me, making like under 20 grand a year with no degree, no, I'm not the guidance counselor, (laughs) I'm not the crisis counselor, the drug and alcohol person, but I would be called. And so in this this time that I was like given free reign to to really live my gifts, because so much Mm -hmm. in this society is based on your degrees and your this and your that, and that's all there Mm -hmm. for a very good reason, because we need quality control in the world. But at the same Absolutely. time, there's so many of us that have these natural gifts, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. if given the space or if you give yourself the space and the, and the permission to be mm-hmm. yourself, you can really make yeah. a difference. And so when I realized that, like, like I was like expanding in my energy, expanding in my presence and my ability to lead and hold space for suffering, like, what do you do when you know, a kid trusts you in front of the principal to tell you that they want to hurt themselves. And now you have to Mm -hmm. tell them, okay, I know that you trusted me. I appreciate, I know I told you this is a safe space, but by law, now I have to take you to the hospital because we have to do evaluations. I'm going to go with you until your mother gets there, but this is what we have to do. And I'd be the one to get into the ambulance with the kid and like be in the hospital and then be like yeah. sitting there and like I would put on Mary J. Blige on my iPod <laughs> and put like, you know, the breakthrough, like the album, that breakthrough album yeah. that came out. That was yeah. like, yo, Mary was with me in many a ER. <laughs> I tell you that yeah. right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? yeah. And like sitting with these kids. And so it was at that point that I decided to quit my city job, which was a very big risk because I was already living on my own and already uh-huh. responsible for myself. Um, and I didn't really know how I was going to do it. But I right. knew that other people in the world had taken big risks uh-huh. to live their destiny. And what makes yeah. them more special than me? Like, that's what I kept telling myself. What makes them more special uh-huh. than you, Rebecca? Like, really? And I ask you, like, what makes somebody more special than you to go out and actually live your destiny, live your purpose? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just let that soak in for a second, people, because, like, what the the message and the vision and and the mission in your heart is so much greater than any um, money thing or logistics Mm -hmm. thing. Like, things come together when you truly trust in your inner knowing and in like that voice which is really like the great spirit speaking through you and so being willing to honor that and show up 
Yeah. And I think a lot of times that's that first step is take that first step, show up for yourself first before you can expect anybody else to do it. And yeah, it's scary. Yes, it's intimidating. Yes, it can be daunting because too much is given, much is required. And it's safe in the corner. It's safe behind the scenes. But you mentioned the word calling and purpose at least two to three times just in that last interlude. And it's bigger than that. And it's up to you to honor who that person is in you so that you can share your gifts with the world who is needing it so very, very much. So, yeah. So continue. No, it's it's so real. And let me tell you, it's you have to be brave to live your purpose. Yeah. It's it's um, mm-hmm. not glamorous. There's glamorous. There could be glamorous moments like, you know, mm-hmm. being honored or recognized or sitting on a podcast or being on television right. or uh, getting a big raise. Like there can be things mm-hmm. like that. But the work really happens in the mystery, in the darkness, in you believing in yourself, in you right. um, having those conversations with yourself that you are good enough, that you are worthy of stepping into that role. And um, and also, you know, taking, see, when, when God gives you big responsibility, you got to also remember that with big jobs come like good benefits also mm-hmm. so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really good benefits Keep it real. So, right so yeah. like a really great benefit of like living your purpose and being of service and like dedicating your life to to beauty and to growth and to helping others is that you're going to receive the cosmic support you know yeah. things do become not easier but you're, you're supported. You have that, mm-hmm. you know, that benefit system that you're like, listen, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Con Edison is knocking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're knocking on the door. You know, they're looking yeah. for a down payment on that. Mm-hmm. So, and those moments are real. And throughout those years of me first leaving my job, like incredible sacrifice, the Con Edison, the light company knocking on the door to eviction yeah. notice to, but I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I'm still here. Yeah. I'm still here. You know what I'm saying? Because he's not, there's, you're not done. He's not done with you yet. He's not yeah. done with you yet. You still got more work to do. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there will be sacrifices. There will be scary moments, but then there'll also be those moments, those breakthrough moments where you're like, you know, um, I'm here now. You know, and I, yeah, I've always said like, there's never one moment to like make it big to make it. Mm-hmm. You make it every time you believe in yourself. Like the day that I wow. left my city job and walked away on that last day of school, I made it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like there's so many making it moments. So so enjoy those moments and those processes and um. Don't be afraid to embody the different parts of you because the different parts of you is what gives you your magic. It's what makes you Mm -hmm. so unique and um, gives you your own lane. Yeah, Yeah. you're exactly right. Absolutely correct. And so as you creating, you know, giving, getting that lane and creating your own lane, you have, you taught yourself how to produce a program. Produce a show, produce and host, and you know innovative broadcasting and inspirational television shows. 
how did you self-teach yourself to do something that most people literally go and spend hours and <laughs> days and years to perfect? Yes. And you said, you know what? I'm going to step out on this ledge. I'm going to show it for myself. And I'm going to do this. How did you decide to, you know, how to produce, what to produce, yes. where to produce, all those things? Well, ever since I was little... I always enjoyed, I used to record myself in my boombox. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I used to record news stories or makeup stories and do sound effects. And like, um, I guess I was practicing, you know, how to share my voice. And um, so there's the lesson in that is there's always clues into what you're really good at or what you really want to do in terms of the things that you were attracted to as a child. So if you're confused about, you know, what to be when you grow up, think about what you did when you were little and think about how that could fit into maybe some of the things Mm. that you're into now. And so it's interesting. A lot of the things that I'm doing now, I was doing as a kid. You know what I'm saying? And I look forward to doing more of those things that I did as a kid. Like, I'm not even done yet. Um, Right. Yeah. Still in progress. I love that. Still in progress. And so so when you... When you got involved in show production yes. and producing, what did, how did that speak to your creative self? How did that speak to you and in terms of what you, not just what you were producing, but as a reflection of yourself? I am a teacher first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So I think my desire to, to teach, um, what is at the forefront of why I produce television. Mm-hmm. I was very inspired okay. and even formed by television, particularly public television, like Mr. Rogers. Okay. I mean, if you watch Healing Through the Home, at the end, we have a, a a guided meditation and like talk about meditation for children of all ages, like whether you're five or 55, you can watch this segment. Yeah. But it's definitely... Mm-hmm. Um, inspired by Mr. Rogers. Like, I I feel like in many ways I'm helping to yeah. continue his work in that way. Um, and also really being inspired. Hmm. Oh, my God, Mr. Rogers. I just got lost there. <laughs> mm. Public television. Yeah. And then also, as a little girl, I always wanted to be a missionary. I remember learning about missionaries, um, how oh, wow. missionaries would go to different countries and they would, you know, bring the word of God, right, into these places and spaces, which now I have a little bit of a different feeling about mm-hmm. missionaries and their work because really right. they were coming and colonizing our sacred ways with their right. With There's their that ways. aspect too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have a different perspective on that, but the message of being a missionary and going into a place where, you know, you could bring love and you could bring some kind of knowledge and, yes. and joy and, and peace really. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah. I definitely see myself as a missionary in media because in media and in television, mm-hmm. there's a lot of darkness and there's a lot of programming that yes. when you watch it, you feel worse about yourself than you went in. You're comparing your home, your lifestyle, your mm-hmm. man, your kids, yeah. your access um, to these people on television. And it's so curated and it's not 
it's not everybody's reality. So for me, creating television that is informational and inspirational and that will make you better, like you're going to grow inches after watching something that I create. Like that's my mm -hmm. intention. Um, is, yeah. is definitely what has formed like how I create what I create. And I, when I left my city job, my my ins my first like little bling was like I want to I want to be on HDTV and do interior design you know mm -hmm. and so I went to school for interior design yeah um and that's a whole other little um, chapter in itself but yeah it's like you you grow like you don't have to know everything every step just continue to follow like your next gut instinct. Right. And move ahead, you know, mm -hmm. and whether it's trying something yeah. and getting out or doing this and doing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And don't be afraid to teach yourself things. Don't be afraid to study. Working if, until it fits. Say it again. Yeah. Be a continual yeah. learner and learning from everything around you, not just from books. <laughs> yes. Because if I was to go to school for everything and that I'm doing now, so, I would still be in school. Yeah. And, and, and a whole bunch of debt as well. Um, that's a guarantee. A guarantee. And when you want to learn, you're going to learn. So as you were starting to produce and you were starting to have these productions that were educational and innovative and you yes. were continuing to inspire through teaching, simultaneously there was something else going on in your personal life that was pretty much the mere opposite yes. of creation yeah talk to us about that oh yeah so throughout my journey as a creative entrepreneur uh budding tv producer radio um and all the other little things i was doing i um dealt with two miscarriages and mm -hmm. um actually just had a third one which is so crazy to even say but like as i'm understanding like women it's not uncommon for women to have multiple miscarriages like this is not just unique to not. me um right but yes i um i had a miscarriage i think it was like in 2012 and then again in 2013 um and the first one is what after I had that miscarriage, I already know that I wanted to get into television. I was doing radio mm -hmm. at that time. And right. I was starting to even just get my fingers on a computer because, you know, like, it, in that time I was in college too, like just starting to get into technology because it's like, you know, a poor right. kid. We didn't really have all of that stuff. And it wasn't even really a common thing. Yeah. So just like getting comfortable with technology and things like that and knowing kind of right away I wanted to skip YouTube and go straight into television, um, particularly yeah. public television here in New York City, which is where Lifestyle Remix, my first show, uh, became award nominated in Brooklyn for the Wow Factor. Okay. Yeah. I'm just coming through. Or oh, yeah. The goddess of winds. Um, yeah. She's up in here. Uh, so anytime you hear her, people, just embrace it because that is the winds of change coming through. She is here. Again, this is about connection and the sounds of nature, and we're big on connecting with those things. Yes. So a wind, like you said, is a wind of change. It's yes. the wind of transition, yes. and we're going to embrace that too. A cleansing. 
So um, I dealt with a miscarriage. It was minor in comparison to the one that I just literally survived. Um, yeah. But still, it was transformative. And to feel life come through you is changing. You know, I always, mm -hmm. you know, would hear people say, you know, children change you. And I can definitely say that after going through miscarriage more than once, and even just the, after the first time, I could confirm, yes, children change you. They really, really, yeah. really do. And that baby gave me a lot of purpose and fire to up-level and to create television. And I started doing, like, at that time, like, live social media was coming, becoming a thing, like mm -hmm. live Facebook and Instagram wasn't even a thing. And so I had already had a little bit of experience in that. I was covering right. the Puerto Rican Day Parade live and things like that. So I was already having my hands in what it means to right. produce, produce content that people would take in. Um, so yeah, after the baby, the first baby, I, um, went and I was like, I'm going to produce a show. And so I decided to get a bartending job, which was one of the ways that I kept myself afloat after I left my city job. You know, you always have, you have to have different skills, ladies and, and whoever's yeah. listening, like you have to have different skills and different yeah. ways of getting it <laughs> and different ways of fitting in. So uh, fitting in meaning like in the workforce, like how could you be right. useful out there in the world? So I started bartending and then like three weeks into shooting, like I was shooting like on the weekends, um, I was involved in a car accident coming home in a yellow cab and that laid me out. So I was trying to create a show bookended oh, wow. by a miscarriage and yeah. a car accident. And it was in that time I feel that I went through a very spiritual um, upgrade because I had to... My apologies for the break in recording, but we ran into some technical difficulties with our equipment at this point in the podcast. After some quick troubleshooting, we were able to rejoin the conversation. Keep listening. So as you were mentioning about now these miscarriages, yes. there was also another wrinkle. There was a car accident. Yes. Where did that come into play? So the car accident was one of those things where at that time I was very active. I was being invited to like red carpets and events and I was, you know, um, invited to cover them and all of this stuff. And then when the car accident happened, it it put me out and I didn't do the drugs that they wanted to give me. Yeah. And I was like always radiating with pain. Like I, I say it's like being wow. high on pain. Like it's just like you have to function on this level of highness mm. from pain. And, um, in yeah. that time, yeah. particularly in the beginning when I really couldn't move much and I was just laying out a lot. Um, I believe that that happened because I was meant to learn and understand that I could move things and and be active in the spirit yeah. world without having to be active in this physical 3D world. And mm -hmm. that's really where like these activations started to occur on this next okay. level. And, you know, 2012 okay. in itself was a year that, you know, had a lot of, folklore and mystery mm -hmm. and everything and if everybody thinks back i bet everybody was up leveling in some way 
whether it was mm. just being curious about esoteric things or ancestral things. Um, there yeah. was definitely a shift that happened in that in that time frame and the years to follow. And so for me, um, being in that accident taught me a bunch of things and um, particularly about my power um, and not my mm. not and not in relation to my physical power or abilities. And um, that was very yeah. a very trippy and transformative experience for me. And I think you highlighted a, a crucial just phrase about that movement in the stillness yeah. that you were able to cultivate, you were able to nourish, mm -hmm. even though you were physically immobile, mm -hmm. there was a lot going on internally yeah. and utilizing that to for your good yeah. and connecting that in terms of the bigger picture. And I think you were probably spending a lot of time in your own home. Mm -hmm. So again, another hat that you wear is a home healer and healing for the home yes. is one of your, again, one of your creations. Mm. So when you think about being in your own home and bringing that to the masses, talk about healing through the home and yeah. what, what goes on when you are actually doing the work of home healing yeah healing through the home is really i would say the brainchild of my child brain mm -hmm. yeah when i was growing up even though i was born i was a pastor's kid and all of this and that there were a lot of um dysfunctional ancestral stuff playing out in my house that showed up yeah. as domestic violence and uh, verbal abuse and um, just the feeling of not being safe compounded with the fact that, you know, being a child of color, growing up in neighborhoods that are not always so safe or even mm -hmm. moving down south and dealing with uh, neighbors that didn't want us there. Right. So. Right. Right. Yeah. And experiencing, you know, life. And I remember there was, I remember the moment that I said, you know, when I'm an adult and I have my own house, I'm going to make sure that no matter what's happening in the outside world, like I literally remember looking out the window and saying this to myself, like, you know, those poignant moments where you can like remember the, mm -hmm. the everything yeah, and saying, when I grow up, no matter what's going outside on outside in the world, I want to know that my home is safe. And that, like, my kids and my family know that, like, whatever's happening in here is all good, regardless of the the monstrosities or whatever is going on outside. Like, yeah. I needed to protect that that peace and that space. And I think that for families and people of color, it's so important for us in particular, you know. And, of course, for anybody who's dealt with, you know, trauma in their home, whether it's illness, death you know, uh, abuse of any kind. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But of course my work is going to speak to people of color because that's, that's what's my, my family and my tribe and like our shared experience, you know, whether you're right. even an immigrant, you know, child of an immigrant who, you know, came to this country and they were scared to answer the door because they didn't even feel like they belonged. You know what I mean? Like, yes. like a shame in, you know, be quiet. You know, like, mm -hmm. uh, you don't know. mention that. Don't yeah. talk about that. Yeah. And like all of these things. So 
Um, that's pretty much what sparked that. And I always had a taste for interior design. Um, watching my mom and my grandmother design their homes, their little, you know, Bronx apartments that were entire worlds in themselves and watching them change right. their pink colors and like not be afraid to like make things and make things beautiful. And no matter what was happening outside, like our home was sweet and it smelled good and it was clean and it was, mm. you know, curated with love. And um, right. when I was a little kid and I would go to other kids' rooms to go play mm -hmm. and their room would be like a mess. I would, <laughs> yeah, I would say, okay, well, before I can play with you, we're going to have to clean up this room because like, how can we're we gonna play? We're going to have to sing the cleanup song. <laughs> like, how can we play in this mess? And then yeah. our parents would be like, oh my God, you can come over anytime. Um, yeah. Or the one time that I was left alone in this elder, this elders, she had like a little room. So I was left alone in there. Mm -hmm. And then I rearranged everything and redesigned it and then like yeah. you know she she was so pissed like she was like oh, i can imagine she was like girl, i cannot believe this child just touched my things my but then i was looking at her like can't you tell that i made it better like like look like <laughs> be, like be real like it's better yeah. now it's truly better yeah so that's pretty much how that started i always enjoyed you know design making mm -hmm. beautiful spaces um and making spaces that kind of told the story. And yeah. um, so when I left my city job and I went to school FIT for interior design, I was like, I'm going to make use of that skill that I have and that like mm -hmm. joy and that pleasure. But what I didn't know, even though I knew, because I, I remember saying when I first went back to college, my first time in college at 26, and I remember saying, I know that the journey right now is to go to FIT for interior design. But I know that like a whole other journey is going to come from this. Like I knew yes, that like FIT was not the place. FIT was a part of, was on the path, but it yes. wasn't the destination. Yeah. yeah. It was like a, yeah. a reason to leave, a reason to make a run for mm -hmm. it. But it wasn't yeah, going to be it was the... convenient. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I hear you talking and hear you describing this like interior design in the your home or in, in overall in homes mm -hmm. it's like bringing mindfulness to interior design yes with like healing modalities and harmony and all the different ways that you can make a a safe place to be yes. not just at the four walls that make up your abode and so as we think about it when you walk into a space mm -hmm. sometimes especially when you're talking about children, there's a mm -hmm. lot of shame. Mm -hmm. And shame shouldn't be the, the predominant emotion that's filling up a home space where we spend the majority of our time. Yeah. And getting to see how the human behavior and the members of that home yes. that are abiding within that home, mm -hmm. how their that environment affects and reflects on the state of the home and also that home which is in yourself. Yes. So when you see the clutter, which mm -hmm. you are compelled to like straighten up, when yeah. you feel the shame, mm -hmm. when you are walking into a home, walk us through the process of what does a home healing entail and how do you connect that home healing with one's health and wellness? Yes. So very early on when I was in FIT, I started like, 
I, I picked up a, a contract to design a bar and I picked up on the same day, a contract to design a home. And okay. very early on in going into this woman's home, this first client, I saw how this was not about picking paint colors, even though that mm-hmm. was going to be a great add on. And like, I teach about color therapy and all of that, but I knew I saw right away, like, we're uncovering this woman's stuff. Like when you, when you uh, clear clutter, when you um, really look at a space and decide to like set it in a new direction, so much emotions come up. So many things from the past comes up Uh, in our clutter. There's clues into why we're sad into why we're stuck into why things are the way that they are in our lives. And, um, Whether it's like, you know, when I go into a home, uh, usually I already know the person or we've done work together. So sometimes we do transformative mm-hmm. work together. Um, yeah, I don't think I really go into co- homes cold anymore, even though it wouldn't really matter. So I would walk into a space and I could just see by the person and their body language already how they're feeling about their space. So whenever yeah. somebody shows me their home, it says a lot. So Mm -hmm. even like post Hurricane Maria, when people would show me their homes destroyed, there's so much shame in showing somebody your destruction. Yeah. There's so much shame. The rubble of the shambles of what used to be that safe place. Yes. And so the same can be said even about a home that hasn't experienced a hurricane, but still there's been some kind of, there's something Mm -hmm. that's going through the house and, um, because our home is an extension of us. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's going to it's going to mirror it's <laughs> the winds. It's mm-hmm. definitely going to be mirroring us. Um it's going to show clues into the places in our life that are cluttered. So if I go yeah. into a house and I notice that the kitchen is in shambles and that there's a lot of clutter in the cabinets. Um and I look in the garbage and there's like <clears throat> processed wrappers and foods that are not like, I don't see like rinds and, you know, peels yeah. and things like that. I could start to make an analysis as a curandera, as a healer and start to see mm-hmm. like what's going on here. When I see, you know, clutter in different parts of the home, I can most definitely connect it to parts of their lives that are cluttered and even parts of your physical being that are cluttered. So yeah. Everything gives clues. Yeah. Um, we walk through the space. We, you know, they show me their destruction. Even if it's a beautiful apartment, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. always rubble. Um, mm-hmm. And there's always signs there of, like, what needs to get repaired. And um, yeah. and then we do some spiritual reclaiming work. You know, you have to reclaim, wow. your, reclaim your home and start to yeah. develop a new relationship with your home space or redefine your relationship with your home space. So through prayers and chanting and sometimes yelling into corners, um, making noise, banging pots or singing bowls, burning sage, um, and setting that energetic, you know, uh, intention with your body, whether it's cleaning or your mouth, whether it's, you know, speaking these words. And then there's always the clearing. So Mm -hmm. we did the spiritual clearing but then there's always going to be clutter and things that can get out 
of the house. And we have yeah. far much more garbage in our home than sometimes we can realize. Uh, mm -hmm. Expired products that don't need to be yeah. there. And all of this clutter, what we need to understand is that clutter holds energy. So um, that's why you have blockages going on in your, in your life many times because we have clutter. So uh, whether it's the physical clutter in our homes or the clutter in our minds or the clutter in our body, any type of clutter is going to keep you stuck, stagnant, funky, mm -hmm. and not in a flow. Yeah. And that's not what we want, right? Right. So when we clear clutter from these places, we actually activate those parts of our lives. And yeah. when we activate them, we can start to see new life and hope and growth and opportunity. And when you mention this, I, as a, someone who has an integrative women's health practice, yes. as you talk about like there's different rooms and they're in a home Yes. and the reflection of the kitchen is a reflection of something going on in the person or the yeah. living room, or the study, yeah. or the bedroom, the bathroom, like key rooms yes. that are potentially in disarray. This leads to also, and connects with the healing body work and the womb work that you yes. do as Gaia. Yes. Um, and how that brings, and that connects this environmental space and that your your external home to that internal home, which is mm -hmm. that middle jowl, that center of your being, that core, and the home, which is the space that where your womb is, mm -hmm. that home. So yeah. I'm really loving how you are connecting those things because it's not just they're not just representations, no. they're reflections. They are. And and I love and I love hearing how you use the things that are representative in our each each and every one of our homes. And how to connect to our internal beings. So how do you, as you bring forth the the memories of that home, bring mm -hmm. forth those unseen vibrations, mm -hmm. how do you make that connection between healing the home and healing the human? Yeah, well, you know, there's connections in everything. You know, our bed is connected to our sex. Our bed is connected to our rest. Our bed is connected to our dream life. You know, yeah. um, our work area or where we keep our files and papers, you know, like, what does that look like? That's going to be reflective in our, you know, how much of a grip we have on our financials and like where mm -hmm. we are in that way um, or what we opportunities we want to attract or we feel are we're worthy of. Um, yeah. So, yeah, all of these things are connected. And when we make love to these parts of our lives, you know, we, we can change them. And, mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I answered the question. <laughs> the no, question. I think you did. I think it was more, I mean, you really, some things don't have a, like a specific answer because they're bigger than that. Yeah. And yeah. even before we started talking, you mentioned like part of your self care was just that making love to yourself. And yes. some initially someone would be like, Oh, that's, you know, sensationalizing, but if you don't make love to yourself, how can you expect to be made love to? Yeah. And how can you expect that you are in, make love in an environment yes. that you inhabit? And again, it all ties together. So yeah, it definitely it answers the question. And how do you, again, that those unseen vibrations, those things that are, you know, either been hidden, mm -hmm. things that you're ashamed of, that yeah. you're hidden, hiding inside, 
that you're tucking away in the you know the recesses of your being, but you're also tucking it away in that closet, in that attic, in that basement, yes. so nobody ever sees yes. it. And they are connected. So you know, if we yeah. have trauma in the home, then we can do some energetic work. You know, we yeah. can breathe out these things. We can do some spiritual purging. We can, you know, incorporate the right crystals or the right foods or the right um, aromatherapy um, into yeah. the space and onto you as a human to um, to reset those vibrations. Um, we spoke before about miscarriages that I had in 2012 and 2013, but I just had a miscarriage right now, this spring. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. um, on this Virgo full new moon that just happened... Um, yeah. I decided to remix my entire home and heal my life through my home. I moved yeah. my bed into a completely different room than it was yeah. before. Um, I reconfigured everything. And I did that yeah. because I needed to upheave and up level like, mm -hmm. you know, like an archaeologist. I needed to yeah. do the digging and like uncover yeah. and... Um, and reset everything to a new vibration. Like I'm not in the relationship that I was in when I was pregnant. So, right. you know, I want to reset my bed because I want to mm -hmm. call in that divine partner that I actually am going to, you know, be happy with and have a real partnership with um, where I'm yeah. not being mommy healer, you know? Um, yeah. God bless his soul. I'm not here to, but you know, you, you yeah. know what I mean. I, we, you know what I mean? I'm already there with you. And I, as I'm, I feel the first thing I feel, felt and heard what I thought about feng shui yes. and how it's, you know, specifically and intentionally and mindfully yeah. doing the things and positioning the bed, the lighting, the colors, yes. all those things. But I think, and even as an extension of and a continuation of feng shui yeah. is that connection with the being themselves, yeah. not just setting up the home or the room or the space yeah. so that it creates and nurtures and cultivates positive energy. Yes. But how does that person who is still vibrating on their own frequency, how does it relate to that space that's being created? Mm -hmm. And how is it in relationship and responding to yeah. those vibrations? Not just the, It's not just a chair sitting in the corner. No. It's not just a bed. It's not no. just a red comforter. It's not just pink walls. All those things have vibrations. And All of it. And the whole place, that whole area is where you're inhabiting yeah. and it's a reflection of what's going on internally. And I, yeah. I feel like we overlook so often yeah. things and like, Oh, it's not important until it actually is like, yeah. it's the thing, one of the things that are making you sick yeah. and it's a reflection of how sick you truly are. Yeah. So yeah. as we're wrapping up and mm -hmm. I want to ask a couple more questions Yes. for someone who is interested in home healing. Yes. And someone who's interested in making that connection between their home internally and their home externally, what resources can you recommend um, who want to just incorporate this whole holistic approach to home healing and environmental cleansing yes. to their self-care regimen? Oh, my God. The number one resource that I can recommend is your sister right here. There you go. I was waiting right for you to here. do some promo. Uh-huh. Okay, right here. Because yes. I have literally been studying human behavior in the home um, and its connection to our spirit life and our sex life and our mm -hmm. loving ourself life and our creative life for almost two decades now. If not like mm -hmm. my whole life because... I've literally been like doing this since I was a kid, but 
Yeah. I'm All roads have led you to this space. You've been doing it. Yeah. Yes. I, so I am a resource and I literally created a show called Healing Through the Home. And mm-hmm. right now, anybody listening to this can, once we're done here on this podcast and you're like, I want that. You can go, <laughs> I want that. Yes. I want that. <laughs> you can go to healingthroughthehome.com and you can find out how to watch my one hour TV special that is available on Roku, Amazon Fire, Android TV, and Apple TV. You can okay. watch it on your phone even. You can even watch it on your tablet. Um, okay. and you can um yeah, you can watch the show. And the show is a one hour medley of home healing fundamentals and Home healing fundamentals include, you know, keeping a spiritually clean house, how to reclaim your home, how to um, create a sacred space, how to create an indoor garden, an outdoor Mm -hmm. garden, how to incorporate color therapy, how to incorporate basic interior design elements and principles to make your home fierce. And um, there's so much there for you. And like I said before, at the end, there's even like, uh, how to meditation that really simplifies what it means to connect to a higher power, um, yeah. which is great for everyone. But you can definitely watch with your kids. This is a show that everybody can watch. Good. I have a client. And it doesn't seem like it's going to be for people who are so advanced and feng shui. No. And it might, it's not going to be down no. to them, but it's not going to, it's going to be at a level that's relatable no. and that you can connect to no matter where you are in this, in this journey. This is very simple stuff. And I say, like, in this show, you actually get to come to my mothership where I live. Mm-hmm. So you actually get to experience the formation, the the yeah. um, the crystal grid, if you will, that I had going on here at my uh-huh. mothership before. And now it's completely different. I've been joking that when I was reorganizing and healing my home and setting it, I kept saying, ain't nobody been here. Ain't nobody been to this <laughs> apartment. Nobody. Nobody's been here. And no, yeah. nobody's been in my room even besides my brother came yeah. and saw the space and helped me hang up some art, but nobody's even been here. So, yeah. And everything that I show is so accessible. This is not MTV Cribs. I'm not here to like, <laughs> like you know, floss. No, I yeah. am a creative entrepreneur. I, you know, want to invest in my home, but I also want to invest in my business. I also want to invest in my health and wellness. I also want to invest in fun. So I'm not here like keeping up with the Joneses, you know, trying to like have all of this flashy stuff. It's literally to show you that you can have a very simple space that is beautiful, that supports you in your life instead of just like being something you have to keep up. You know, like yeah. you and should maintain. not be, yeah. yeah, you should not be the maid to your life. Like your home should work for you and it should mm-hmm. be a beautiful cycle. So be sure to watch the show. It's a one hour special and very soon I'm going to have a, another pilot. This show was self-produced. I did everything that you would have to do to create a TV show um, yeah. from being in it to hair and makeup to obviously the set design because it happened at my mothership to direction and editing and post-production and voiceovers and graphics and listen to handing it in all of the things um so it's made with so much love that's why i say that like it took a lot for me to uh have the audacity and even the skills and knowledge to create what i created so please do take this gift 
that I have created and run with it and heal your home, remix your life and your environments, and then tell me all about it. <laughs> yeah. But listen, I, I, I'm excited just hearing about it and I've already kind of been, th- been there and checked it out. So yes. she's not lying. She's like, it's, she's not lying. I'll just leave it at that and you'll have to witness it and experience it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the things when we talked initially, when I asked you like, who is Rebecca Hitana Torres? Like, yes. who is she? Mm-hmm. And your response to me is, was, I am a full time mountain. Mm. Oh my God. I you just made me get emotional. Time mountain. <laughs> Mm. that's how I've been feeling yes and when I that visual to me is bigger than any like flexing of muscles that is just Mm. it's a statement of purpose it's a statement your mission it's your vision and you talked earlier on about creating safe places Mm -hmm. for people to transform yeah so as we say our you know our parting words what parting words of wisdom do you have for our listeners Ah, my parting words as I like channel everybody who's listening right now. Mm-hmm. First thing that comes to my heart is, yes, you are all that. Mm. You are all that. And when I say that, I mean, you are all the parts of you that you feel inside. Yes, you are. I'm validating you are. And I'm also here to tell you that you have the power within you and also the support around you to continue to be all that and to flourish and to blossom and bloom and take up space and to live your destiny and you're important the world needs you now more than ever now is not the time to play small or pretend that you don't know that you're all that (laughs) So yeah. step into it, embrace it, and um, I wish you so much, you know, peace on your path and clarity. Don't let things come into your world. Like, you have been through so much. You have been through so much to now be here in 2021 and allow, you know, like, the infestation of other people's energy or your old habits and uh, your old programming to infiltrate what you have going on now. So be brave to say no to those comfort zone things and be brave Mm -hmm. to own that you are all that. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. That is so beautiful. And it's so simple and it sounds like sometimes like a colloquial phrase that, oh, you are all that, but you are. Yeah. And all the things that you need, all the things that you want, all the things that you desire mm-hmm. are right there within you. Yeah. And so I want you to ponder on, you know, some two questions that you left with me yesterday and I meditated on them last night and this morning. Mm. How do you help things grow yeah. in the world? Yes. And how do you bring love and light to the people you encounter? Mm. And all those things start in a, in your internal home. Yes. And grow from there so that yes, you can activate do. and fully become your true, your whole, mm. your authentic self. Yes. Joking Rebecca, good. I thank you. Yeah, I thank you for so sh- for sharing your love and light with us today. 
Thank you. I really pray that, you know, it resonates out there. And it's funny. I know that that message that you're all that, that I never say that. So mm -hmm. the fact that that came through, but it's like, yeah. you're all the parts. You're all the parts. You know, and so parts, that was definitely a specific message for this room. The whole. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you. Until we meet again. Until we meet again. Take a look at the show notes for more information about today's guest, links to the website, contact information, and social media channels. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Think about one gem you can take away from this episode and apply it to your own life. Also, please take a moment to like the episode, subscribe to the channel, comment, and share with your family, friends, and colleagues. Till we meet again, remember to nourish your flourish and see you real soon. Salud!